Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for Tuesday, October 30th, 2018. And coming off Monday, I can actually talk about the games a little bit on Monday uh, because I'm recording this just as the games have all ended. Uh, so something that I know that uh, BM1234 from Basketball Monster always wants me to talk about is try to recap the night at the top of the podcast, just any time during the podcast. And I would like to more often. The only thing is usually my schedule is I finish covering up news for DraftKings around like 8 o'clock and then I'll usually grab something for dinner and then I just usually record the podcast and watch the end of the basketball games. So it's not that I have an issue with saying like, oh, here's what I got right, here's what I got wrong, just that I usually don't know when I record the podcast so I'm doing it as the games are still happening. Uh, so Monday ended up being like aggressively neutral for me. Uh, in terms of DFS and regular betting, I had two spread bets for the night. I bet the Nets plus two. Uh, they did not win. They got crushed by the Knicks, which I did not think was going to happen. And then I also had the Warriors minus 11 against the Bulls. And they they covered pretty comfortably, although I was a little concerned that there was going to be a backdoor cover from the Bulls because the Warriors were able to take out their stars like midway through the third quarter because... Uh, they were just blowing them out. And Clay Thompson set the NBA record for uh, three-pointers made in the game. He hit 14, and he hit the he hit the record with, I think it was five minutes left in the third quarter. So he would have easily put up like, I don't know, like 17 or 16 or so threes had he stayed in for the entire game, but was not needed. Uh, in terms of DFS, the things, I'll start with the things I got right. Uh I, w- I wouldn't necessarily call this a huge win, but they were all just kind of neutral. The the Buck starters with Giannis out, basically everybody was decent uh, in terms of DraftKings. Uh, uh, Brogdon hit value, Bledsoe hit value, Middleton hit value. Ursan was the one who had the best game for his salary. Lopez was a little bit below 5x value. Uh, what happened there was actually they were all on pace to have pretty big games, but the Bucks were up. I think it was 23 points with about five minutes left and took their starters out and still they all hit value. So it was kind of a situation where I, like my uh, my highest owned players on the slate, uh, my five highest owned players ended up being Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Ersan Ilyasova, uh, Drew Holiday, and Julius Randle. None of them were uh, bad uh, from the from the Buck side of the game. Ersan was solid. Middleton and Bledsoe were just kind of like meh, whatever. But I do think they would have had stronger games had it uh, had it not been the blowout. And then from the Pelican side of the game, uh, we had good games from Miritich, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle. I thought they were pretty easy plays once Anthony Davis got ruled out early in the day. Uh, the misses for me, definitely the big miss was Pascal Siakam. He was pretty chalky. And I just didn't have enough trust in the the Raptors front court situation. And the logic being, heading into the slate, we had... The Raptors had already changed starting lineups a couple of times. They were saying, like, oh, Ibaka's starting, now Valanciunas is starting, and they flip-flopped again. And I just kind of looked at that as, I don't know who's going to play. I don't know what the minutes allocation is going to look like. Overall, I mean, Siakam was definitely cheap, and I could see why people were asking me about him, why he was, uh, why he made sense as a play. But to me, I was just like, there's a lot of good value plays on the slate. I didn't want to chase Pascal Siakam when I just thought there was other more stable situations. He ended up having a really big game. That was the difference between me having like a neutral night and not winning a bunch of money or like doubling up was uh, the, the Pascal Siakam game. 
Uh, other thing that I could have had more exposure to, although nobody really had exposure to this game, was the Maverick Spurs game. That ended up going to overtime, so any overtime game is going to end up doing well. That was just kind of a fade for me, but even, even so, that one didn't really end up hurting just because of uh, nobody really had exposure there. Uh, I had exposure to the Lakers-Timberwolves game. That one overall went pretty well. All those guys did good. It was really, the, the big miss for me was was Siakam, but overall, not a good night, not a bad night. It was uh, no real blood drawn, but no big wins either. So moving on to Tuesday's slate, where we have eight games to talk about and no massive injury implications like we had last night, where we had uh, Giannis and uh, Davis were both questionable heading into the night, ended up getting ruled out in the morning, and then we also had Kawhi Leonard, who was getting rested. Uh, the Raptors play again for Tuesday, except it looks like Kawhi's going to play. It was just standard rest for him. So getting into the games, the first one on the slate, the Sacramento Kings, the Orlando Magic. I think I'm just going to keep holding serve with the same way I've approached the Kings the last few nights. De'Aaron Fox is the safe cash and GPP play, and the guys just reserved for GPPs, Buddy Heald and Willie Cauley-Stein. It was another solid game for Buddy Heald on Monday night, his Third pretty good game in a row, 35 fantasy points, 33, and then a 47 fantasy point game. And the minutes have been consistent for him recently, 41, 36, 36 minutes. However, the three games before then, 23 minutes, 23 minutes, 27 minutes. So I would like to look at Buddy Heald and say, oh, Buddy Heald, 5,500, good matchup. Lock and load him, go like 60, 70% in GPPs. We're just looking at his current price and production the last three games. But it, it's hard for me to really go that high on heel just because I know that Dave Yeager could put him right back to 23 minutes in any given moment. But still, I think there's a lot of upside for the price tag. So he is a, a good upside GPP play. From the Magic side of the game, we have uh, Nikola Vucevic has been priced well up to 8600 So I think we could ignore that. Uh, I think the two sensible plays here are Jonathan Isaac at 4700 and Aaron Gordon at 6800 with Isaac being my favorite play from the Orlando side of the game. One thing that's nice about Isaac is we've generally seen from him his minutes about the same, regardless of if it's a close game or a blowout. Uh, only 22 minutes from him last game, but the games before that, 30 minutes even in a blowout situation, then 26 and 28 minutes in closer games. So I think that's what we should expect from Isaac is like somewhere in the neighborhood of 28 to 30 minutes. He's a pretty good fantasy producer in general. So I think that he is, uh, it's a good spot for him. Overall, I think we can stack this game if we want to go like Fox and Heald with say like Gordon and Isaac. I think that that's not a bad way to approach this game. Uh, Next one on the slate is the Atlanta Hawks at the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Kevin Love injured already. It's a foot injury or toe injury and sat out a couple of games, and now the word is that the Cavs expect to miss at least a month, which means it could be even longer. Now we could really see a lengthy absence from Kevin Love, so there's going to be some value there. From the Hawks' side of the game, uh, we saw Alex Len once again start at center, and then Dwayne Dedman come off the bench, and Dedman, pretty reasonable 23 minutes. Uh, like I said the other night, if Dwayne Dedman gets moved into the starting lineup, I think that he's going to become a pretty solid play. But until that happens, he's just kind of a GPP play, but not one to go like really heavy exposure to. It's just if we don't have better value that opens up, then Dwayne Dedman kind of makes sense as an upside play. Uh, outside of that, 
I mean, Torian Prince all up to 7,100, Trey Young at 7,200. I don't really want to pay those price tags for either of them, even though this is a pretty favorable matchup. From the Cleveland side of the game, uh, we have the last set eye, Shetty Osman, who has struggled his last few games, but the minutes are still there 30 minutes, 32 minutes over the last couple. Just isn't making his shots right now. Uh, fouled out of one of those games, which I think the foul trouble could impact a player's aggressiveness a little bit. But still, Osmond for the season, he's averaging 26 fantasy points on only 37% shooting. The shooting should come up a little bit. And if we look at his price tag, 5,500, we only need about 27 fantasy points from him. So considering he's averaging 26 on poor shooting, I think that he's fine for cash games. I think he's fine for GPP. Uh, I think, let's see, Larry Nance. Now, I know the other day I was talking about that I, I kind of felt that I missed on Nance a little bit. But you look at what he did last game, had another big 39.5 fantasy point game, but only 22 minutes. I, I don't know that we could really expect that many fantasy points, such crazy permanent production from Nance, if he's only going to be playing 22 to 25 minutes per game with Kevin Love out. So we do know this. Ty, Ty Lue got fired, different coach for the Cavs. I think it makes sense for Larry Nance to end up take over that starting role, but I don't really know what this lineup is going to look like. If Nance starts, I think he's fine at 6,200. I don't love him if he's coming off the bench. The other player that I think is worth looking at here is Colin Sexton at 4,000. One of the reasons that Lou got fired, according to beat reporters, is that he was resistant towards giving Sexton a lot of playing time. He wanted to play George Hill. Uh, he wanted to play Rodney Hood. He wanted to play the veterans who he felt gave the team a better chance to win. And management felt that we want to play the young guys to give them the opportunity to grow because we don't think we're going to be competitive this year. And that that kind of difference in philosophy was led to Lou being fired. Considering now that they've made the coaching change, I think that we see Colin Sexton get a lot more minutes like management wanted. So I think that Colin Sexton at 4,000, I think there's a pretty good chance he starts at point guard. If Sexton starts, really good play for GPPs and cash games. Just GPP for me, if he's not starting, I do think the plan is for him to play a 30 or more minutes at some point. They just might not be ready to give it to him as of Tuesday night. Uh, but Seti Osman, I think good for GPP's cash games. Larry Nance, if he's in the starting lineup, is fine. And then same with uh, Colin Sexton. The next game, the Miami Heat at the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, oh, one player who was a miss for me that I forgot to mention at the top of the show was I had Kelly Olenek uh, above. I was overweight to Olenek, not like crazy overweight, uh, but he'd played well the last couple of games and then just stinker against the Kings. Uh, if he's going to start again, I still think he's worth rostering at 5,200 in a GPP. I wouldn't put Kelly Olenek in a cash game. Uh, the other thing is that we just don't know for sure that Olenek is going to draw the start. Uh, Hassan Whiteside's had some big games this year at 7,400. I think that he's fine in a GPP. I still wouldn't trust him in a cash game because the production tends to be a little all over the place with Whiteside and with the price tag up to 7400 now. There is a little bit of risk. He also does tend to get in foul trouble from time to time. Uh, but for GPPs, the cash, the cash, for GPPs, the upside is there for, for Whiteside. And then from the Hornets side of the game, I'm going to keep rolling with Batum. He's at 5200 It's just very cheap for him. He has produced... Fairly well recently, nothing crazy, but 24, 26, 34 fantasy points. Looking at the price tag at 5,200, I, I think that that's fine for Batum. I think there's a ton of safety there. There is upside for him to have like the 35 to 40 point fantasy game. 
So I think he makes for a good play. Uh, Jeremy Lamb at 4,600. Also just a little bit too cheap for him this year. He uh, hasn't played as well as he did last year, but still has overall been a good player. I wouldn't trust him in a cash game, I don't think, at 4,600. But for GPPs, I think there's upside there. Uh, nobody really priority play for me, though. These are all just kind of fringe plays from the Miami-Charlotte game. The next game, this is going to be the best game from, I think, a real-life basketball perspective, is the Philadelphia 76ers at the Toronto Raptors. Um, there is no over-under for this game yet. I'm kind of interested to see where that comes out, and that will have a little bit of sway to me in terms of how I figure what the expectation is for the pace of this game. But right now, looking at it, the Sixers, we have Joel Embiid at 9,700, Ben Simmons at 9,100. Uh, just kind of fair pricing. I don't think there's anything crazy that really jumps off the page for me with any of those guys. And then from the Raptor side of the game, kind of the same. We've got Kawhi Leonard at 9,500, Kyle Lowry at 8,000. Uh, I think that we, we definitely expect Kyle, uh, Kawhi Leonard to be back in the lineup after resting on Monday night. Uh, Pascal Siakam still at 3,900. I do think we see the playing time come down a little bit from what it's been at the 33 and 37 uh, minutes from the last couple of games. But still, I think it's hard to not consider Siakam in play because of how good he's looked recently. So I think that he is the most sensible play in this game at 3,900. Uh, next game is the Detroit Pistons at the Boston Celtics. Um, from the Pistons side of the game, nobody that I really like the Celtics one of the slower-paced teams in the league, still a really good defensive team. The over-under is at 209.5. I think that's going to be by far the lowest on the entire slate. There's a little bit of blowout risk here also from the Celtics side of the game. I think you could take a shot on like a Kyrie Irving or Al Horford. But once again, none of these guys really priority plays for me. I don't think there's a ton of value in any of those price tags. So far, we haven't really found uh, a ton of good value on this slate. Um That'll happen a lot on slates. There'll be times I'll be like, ah, I don't know how much I like this slate. Not a lot of value. And then come uh, afternoon the next day, there's like three star players rolled out, and all of a sudden there's a ton of value. Uh, Washington Wizards at the Memphis Grizzlies. From the Wizards side of the game, we have Markeith Morris, questionable to play. Seemed like he got a concussion last game. I'm going to take kind of the same stance with uh, Morris that I took with Giannis last night, which is I don't think Markeith Morris is going to play. And when I build my initial lineups in the morning and kind of reserve, it's going to be under the idea that Markeith Morris is not playing. Uh, Jeff Green started the second half in place of him last game. Jeff Green's only 4,400. Uh, he only played 22 minutes last game, except that was because one, Morris started the game, and then two, it was a blowout when Jeff Green started the second half and didn't end up playing the fourth quarter. But still 22 minutes for Jeff Green, 12 points, 8 rebounds, and only 4,400. If he does start in place of Markeith Morris, I think that he is a sensible GPP play. Uh, Bradley Beal at 6,800, I think it's a little bit too cheap for him, even in a somewhat tough matchup against the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, the Wizards have just gotten blown out a lot recently, so we can't put too much stock into just looking at their uh, minutes or their fantasy point totals from recently, because if we look at against the Clippers uh, last game, they lost by 32 points. Uh, pretty close game against the Kings. They got blown out by the Warriors. They lost by 22. Like, Beal played 19 minutes in that game. But we see the price down at 6,800. To me, I think that's a good guy to look at. I'm a little concerned about Otto Porter's minutes right now. Uh, he's down to 5,300, except just hasn't been there consistently. We've seen 
uh, John Wall, Bradley Beal. Neither of them have directly called out Otto Porter, but they've called out in they've called out players on the team saying that they're more concerned about their individual shots going down than actually playing defense or playing hard. And I think that's I think that's a a comment that is directly at Otto Porter, who struggled to make his jump shots recently and seems disengaged at times, which is why we've seen games where he's only playing like 22 minutes. So Porter, for now, is a stay away for me. Uh, from the Memphis side of the game, I think the best value here is Jaron Jackson at 5,500. He has been looking at his minutes and whatever since moving into the starting lineup. Uh, it was blowout last game, and he picked up. Well, it, fouls have been an issue for Jaron Jackson. Look at the last four games from five fouls, four fouls, six fouls, five fouls. I think there's a lot of upside in him for his salary at 5,500, but just looking at the foul situation, I don't trust him for a cash game. But 5,500, I like him for GPPs. Uh, the other one, Kyle Anderson at 4,300. He has not been good at all this year. But overall, I do like Kyle Anderson as an NBA player. I'm a little concerned that there's a possibility that he was kind of a system player in the Spurs, and now we've taken him away from Greg Popovich in San Antonio, who might look not as good. But he's in the starting lineup. He's only, uh, was it, 4,300. If we look at his production from last year, he got up to 5,800 at one point. I think that there's some value here for 43. Uh, I like Kyle Anderson. I don't think a lot of people will be on him either. I think that's a pretty good uh, GPP play. Uh, just I'm kind of going through this right now. I think my first thoughts on tomorrow's slate is it looks like I'm only going to be playing GPP, not cash games, because I'm looking at a lot of these players and saying like, oh, I think this guy makes sense for GPPs, but don't like him for cash games. So that's probably going to lead me to play more tournaments and maybe no cash games for Tuesday slate. Uh, next game, the Portland Trailblazers at the Houston Rockets. Houston surprisingly struggling to start the year. Uh, Al Farouk Amino at 4,500. I think that he is a pretty... Solid play. If we look at his last four games, one stinker against the Miami Heat, where he only played 21 minutes, scored eight fantasy points. But the other three games, 39, 26, 27 fantasy points, uh, all really strong production for 4,500. So Aminu is a guy that I think makes sense for GPPs and cash games. Same goes for CJ McCollum at 6,400. As I mentioned the other night, hasn't been great this year. But if you look at his games, he scored in between 26 and 34 fantasy points every game so far this year. At 6,400, somebody who we're used to seeing in like the 7,000 range, I think McCollum makes sense here. For the price, I do prefer him to Damian Lillard. From the Houston side of the game, we have James Harden still expected to miss the game. Chris Paul at 9,300 wasn't great last game without Paul. Also a blowout. They lost by 20 points to the Clippers. Paul ended up making just 23% of his shots, scored 33 fantasy points. I'm good with going back to the well with Chris Paul, GPP's cash games at 9,300. If we look at his numbers from last year, when James Harden wasn't there, he was still somebody who scored 57 fantasy points per 36 minutes. Uh, I don't think we see him get quite back to that level without Harden, just because Carmelo Anthony's in the mix, taking away some of that usage. But I think Paul's still a fine play at 9,300. Uh, Carmelo Anthony at 5,300. As silly as it sounds, I think that he's a really good play for the slate because of what we've seen from him. The last couple of games, two games ago, when we saw James Harden get hurt, and then last game he started uh, for the Rockets with Harden out. And uh, last two games, we saw from him uh, 39 fantasy points, 36 fantasy points, 38 and 34 minutes played. I don't like Carmelo Anthony as a real-life player at this point in his career, but for 5,300, I think that's a great value for cash games and for GPPs. 
Uh, same for Eric Gordon at 6,100. Extra minutes production for him, bigger role with Harden out. So I think that Gordon makes sense at 6,100. Uh, overall, Houston is one of the spots with the most value on the slate. Uh, next game, the Clippers at the Thunder. And there could be some value on the Thunder side when I get there because there are injuries to both Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel. Uh, from the Clippers, Tobias Harris, I guess, is fine. Uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, I think, is good for GPPs at 4,100. We've seen have him have some big games off the bench. But overall, not really a lot of pricing value from the Clippers side of the game. No priority plays. From the Thunder side, we have Jeremy Grant at 4,200. If we see Steven Adams and or Nerlens Noel rolled out, I think we see a much bigger role from Jeremy Grant. At 4,200, the last two games from him since being moved into the starting lineup, 37 and 31 minutes, 23 and 25 fantasy points. Pretty solid production for 4,200 and room for upside too because Jeremy Grant is only shooting 35% or what is it? Uh, 33% from the field this year. So he's going to see some positive regression in that category. Last season, he shot, let's see, 54%, 53.5% from the field. So we should definitely see him be maybe not that high, but definitely higher than 33%. If we see him even in like the mid to high 40s, I think we see him as somebody who's in like the mid 5,000 price range as a starter. Uh, and then Nerlens Noel, 4,300. Steven Adams at 6,900. We just kind of need to see what ends up happening with who's in, who's out. If Adams is out and Noel starts, then he's a great value play at 4,300. Uh, the other thing in terms of guys to pay up for, this is way too cheap for Russell Westbrook, 10,500. Uh, his production so far this year, averaging 50 fantasy points per game coming back from the knee surgery. We look at what we've gotten from Westbrook in previous years as somebody who averages a triple-double. Basically, all of last year, he was priced in the high 11,000s to as high as 12,000. So to get him at 10,500, I think that's my preferred guy to pay up for in both GPPs and cash games. So that will finish up today's slate. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS, and I'll be back to record a podcast for Wednesday.